Thank you for joining our podcast from New Life Church Greenbrier. If you're joining us for the first time, we would love to know about it. Just text Greenbrier to 88000 and fill out one of our Connect cards. Now, let's listen in to today's message. Y'all ready to get into today's word? How many of you have enjoyed the study on the book of Mark so far? If you are new to our church, maybe you're just visiting for the very first time, um, I just want to let you know that we as a church, all 18 campuses across the state, have made the decision that we are going to grow together in unison through the book of Mark over a nine-week span. So we're in week three of nine weeks, going to carry us all the way up to Easter. And we are taking daily opportunities to grow spiritually throughout the book of Mark. And I just want to say, if you haven't had an opportunity to purchase one of the Mark journals, uh, Pastor Adam, do you have yours? I can show them really quick. Um, If you haven't purchased one yet, it looks like this. And you can go on Amazon. I believe we have a link. Yes, there's a QR code behind me. If you haven't ordered one, you can download the digital version. Um, I believe it's free, isn't it? Or is it just a couple dollars? Or you can order this one on Amazon. Um, I, I do know that Amazon's running a little bit behind and because uh, we've ordered some more for our students and they still haven't made it in yet but i believe it's going to be worth the wait and what it does is it allows us it gives us pieces of scripture each day not just on sunday but every day monday through sunday for us to read together questions for us to ask ourselves a moment an opportunity to reflect on what that scripture is trying to speak to us and then grow together so i encourage you guys to jump in if you have that opportunity and download this we've also got some bookmarks if you look in the seat box in front of you, um, there are some bookmarks for the book of Mark. See what we did there? Pretty clever, huh? Wasn't my idea, but still a great idea. But it allows you to kind of track your reading as we walk through this book in the Bible together. You know, the material in Mark's gospel is to believe to be, to come mostly from Peter's influence. Now, we know that the book of Mark was written by John Mark, and we know that Mark was not one of the original disciples, but we do know that he has personal close contact with them as well. Peter describes Mark in 1 Peter 5 as a son in the faith and that Mark served alongside him. We know that his mom was Mary and in her house there was many opportunities where they came together and met in his mom's home. You can read about it in Acts 12. But I love the way that Mark's writing style is. Um, he's a guy that is to the point. He's direct. As a matter of fact, we, through the, if you look at the miracles through the Gospels, you see 37 miracles. There's more miracles recorded in the book of Mark than any of the other Gospels. Um, what I'm going to be teaching on today is actually mentioned in all three of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But Mark's writing style is, I think I mentioned it two weeks ago, but he's like somebody that really likes coffee and the occasional Red Bull. You know what I mean? He's my kind of guy. So he doesn't beat around the bush, but he gets to the point. You know, this week, as we were reading, on Monday, we learned that division leads to disaster. Mark 3.25 tells us, lets us know that a house divided against itself cannot stand. It's so important. You can't have exponential growth with division. You have to have unity. Now, with the essential beliefs, we're going to have unity as a church. Now, there's some freedom in some non-essential beliefs. Some of you may believe that you're supposed to take communion every weekend. That is okay. We've made sure that we've given you an opportunity with the elements to be able to take communion every weekend, if that's how you feel. But the things that are doctrinally clear through Scripture, we're going to make sure that we have unity in that area. Tuesday, we read Mark 4, 1 through 20. 
and learn that good soil produces good fruit. That the fruit that we're producing is a direct reflection of the condition of our heart. And the fruit we're producing reflects if it's good soil that's producing it. Pastor Byron taught on this last weekend. And then Wednesday, we read Mark 4, 21 through 34, and we learned that the gospel we carry is a light to the world, that God's word was never intended for us to hide on Sunday or to hide throughout the week and just bring out on Sunday, that the gospel is our opportunity to be a light to the world and the people that we come in contact with daily. Thursday, we learned Mark 4, 35 through 41, how understanding diminishes fear. This begs the question, who is Jesus to you personally? Do you accurately understand what the resurrection truly means for you? And then on Friday, we read Mark 5, 1 through 20, where Jesus healed the demon-possessed man. It's a really good day for the demon-possessed man, right? Not so good for the pig owner. Everybody would agree with that, right? Not so good for the pigs, really good for the demon-possessed guy. Kind of like a Razorback game this year, just saying. Hey, I'm hurting. I'm just being honest. I'm in the morning right now. Today, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at another one of Jesus' miracles that he performed and how that miracle relates to our walk today. We know that he performed 37 miracles throughout the gospel. And I mentioned, too, that we can study this particular miracle through all three of the synoptic gospels. But today, I want to look at it from Mark's recording. If you got your Bibles with you, turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 23. I want to set this up really quick. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, you guys are going to have to work with me today now. You got 15 minutes more sleep? Y'all ought to be happy. Happy, happy, never mind. Let's read together. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. You know, one of the things that I love about Jesus' teaching, if you'll notice, is that he didn't mind the interruptions. How many of you enjoy a good interruption every now and then? Wait a minute, I don't see a lot of hands going on. <laughs> well, none of us are really excited about interruptions in our life. I, I shared this with the last service. If, if I, my 48-year-old self could go back and tell my 28-year-old self something, as a parent, this is what it would be. Don't mind the interruptions, especially with your kids. Now, let me be honest. You have to work, right? We know we have to work. But at the same time, those interruptions... You need to make sure that you're allocating time for those interruptions as a parent and as we grow. But Jesus didn't mind the interruptions. I want you to ask yourself a question. Am I open to interruptions? Are you open to God interrupting your schedule, your plans, your routine? Maybe the things that you found comfort in. Are you open to him interrupting that? Today's message is a little bit different. Uh, somewhere, someone at some time said that the only way you can have a good sermon is if you have three points and then scripture to follow. Well, I don't have three points. I have three questions today. And the way that I want you to approach today's message is I want you to ask yourself these questions. And I want you to reflect on it. And then I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, is there something about this in this particular area 
that I need to make some adjustments on. We talk a lot about the importance of becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. This is an area I believe we need to get right. Let's pick back up. Verse 24 through 34. So, so Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Everybody say that's a long time. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she just grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling in fear, with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, let me first say this. We're not going through the movie Chosen. That's not part of the series. And I do know, too, that there are some people that have differences of opinions around the movie Chosen. Can I just say this? It's a movie, so hold on to it loosely. It's not the gospel. It's a movie. But two weeks ago, I showed you a clip from that movie that really depicted the heart of Jesus in a way that cinema has rarely been able to capture. And just with that miracle, the same thing holds true with this one. So we have cut that clip out, and I want you, once again, to notice the similarities in these two miracles that Jesus performed. But I want you to see the heart of Christ through this, and I want you to see the reaction of those around Jesus at this moment. Check this out. One breath. Just the fringe. I touch. One breath. One thread. Just, just the edge. Only a thread. You! I know you. Get away from him. Stop it, please. Rabbi Yusuf! Rabbi Yusuf! This woman bleeds. She is unclean. We removed her. Please, please. I, I promise I won't touch him. I, I just need oh, to... Woman, please. We can help you, but not now. Sorry. Sorry, Oh, please, just a moment. Just Everybody back. I asked the question. Who touched me? I felt that power went out of me. Whoever touched me, come forward. Teacher, 
It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge, I promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and, and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. And I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. And he was right. The blood has ceased. My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know, but it wasn't this. It was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long. We can take her. She is clean. You have blessed me today. And I know. My daughter, I know it has been a fight for you for so long. You must be exhausted. Go now in peace. Your faith has made you well. Unclean. Unclean. Do you notice the similarities with the man with leprosy and the woman that was dealing with the blood disorder? Is they both refer to themselves as being unclean. You see, according to Jewish law, had she touched someone, that person then would have become unclean themselves. But what I want you to notice here is that had become her identity. You see, that had become a label that had been placed upon her as being unclean. And for just a second, I just want you to put yourself in her shoes for just a moment. Twelve years she struggled with this. Twelve years, the hurt, the pain, the condemnation that came with that. Because they were looked at as not just physically unclean, but spiritually unclean. So much to the point that that had become her identity. Can you imagine, let's just say, for example, maybe, just maybe she was having a good day one day. And then someone came in contact with her. That would remind her, unclean. Not even able to hug her kids or 
her family or not able to touch anyone she loved. Unclean. Did you notice how Jesus responded to her, though? He looked at her and called her daughter. He didn't say, woman with the blood issue. He called her a daughter. And he, in this movie, depicts it very well. It's not in Scripture, but she says, I'm no one's daughter. You know she probably had to feel that way. But he says, no, you're a daughter of the most high king. The question I have for you this morning is how many of you in this room you feel like that your circumstance somehow has created your identity? Because two weeks ago I challenged you from the reading and the teaching of the man with leprosy the importance of seeing beyond someone's circumstance. If we're going to become fully devoted followers of Christ... We need to first understand how God sees us. And this was a great illustration of it when he looked at her and called her daughter. But we also, we also got to realize how we see ourselves, But then how we see others. And I would argue that they're all equally important. But for us to grow the way that I believe God is calling us to grow, we have to get this right. Which leads me to the reason that I'm teaching on today's message from the angle that I am. Is there's another area that I believe that we as a church, and I'm not saying New Life Church, I'm just saying as a church whole. As Christ followers have gotten wrong. And that is around the topic of healing. I'm going to challenge your thought process for just a moment. I want you to look at verse 34. It says, He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So if you take this just one piece of scripture, which I want to, I want to caution you is very dangerous sometimes just to pick and pull pieces of scripture out to fit what you're trying to learn or what you're trying to back up. <clears throat> you miss it. Now, I think if you just take this one piece of Scripture, I think you would, you would all say that it was her faith that healed her, right? Was it just her faith? Let me tell you the most hurtful, theologically incorrect statement that you can make as a Christ follower to someone that is struggling with sickness or pain or maybe the loss of a loved one. Are you ready? If you just have enough faith, God will heal you. You just don't have enough faith. If you just have enough faith, God will heal you. Now, let me tell you why that is wrong. First of all, if you want to speak condemnation over someone, go ahead and make that statement. And you may have had the best intentions in the world. And you may have even thought in the back of your mind that you had scripture to back that up. Well, this is an area, as I said, I believe that we as a church, we need to get right. Because this causes pain. This causes hurt. What it does is this says that healing ultimately is works-based. And it's not. It's not at all. 
What you skip many times is the grace that came from Jesus to begin with. I want you to say this with me. By grace through faith. Let's say it again. By grace through faith. You can't leave Jesus out of the equation. You can't forget about the grace. Now, I believe we would all say, as Christ followers, that we serve a God that is fully capable of performing miracles. Would you guys agree with that? We know that Jesus performed many miracles when, he was, when his ministry was on this earth. We know that, and we believe 100% that we still serve a God that is fully capable of performing a miracle today. Can we, can we all agree with that? I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. We've got to get this, church. It is a gift. It is the gift of God. Not by what? Works so that no one can boast. You see, if you go back to say, well, if you just have enough faith and you look around and you see, well, this person was healed and this person was not, then you must be saying that this person, well, they must have just worked harder. They must have just had more faith than this person over here. That's not true. It's not. Now, we're going to talk about our faith and the importance of our faith in just a moment, but I don't want you to miss the grace. We have to. The heart that I want you to take as a church is that we serve a God that is fully capable of healing us. We are trusting that he is fully able to heal us no matter what it is. But we're also trusting him enough that even if he doesn't, we're still going to follow him and we're still going to trust that he knows. That's the heart that we have to come from. Because that's the word of God. That's the truth. You can't just base it upon works. I just need to work harder. I just need to do more. I just need to, I need to memorize more scripture. I need to do this. And no, that's works-based. What I'm talking about is you can't forget about the grace and the faith. It's together. You know, a few years ago, I taught a message on the even-if faith. You guys remember that? Some of you have been around a while. And... It was the only message I ever spoke that someone actually got a tattoo of it on their arm. Come in like a few weeks later. See, Pastor got I was like, man, that message must have stuck. <laughs> Literally. But it's that even if faith that we are called to have through the grace of God, that when we're walking through a storm and we're going through a season, maybe it's a diagnosis, maybe it's an issue with our marriage, maybe our finances, that we trust God enough to say, even if it doesn't turn out the way that I think it should turn out, God, I'm still going to follow you. Because what the enemy wants you to do is the enemy wants you to what if it to your death. You've heard him say, what if it to death? It's the enemy wants you to what if it to your death. Meaning, what if it doesn't turn out? What if my marriage doesn't make it? What if my finances don't make it? What if I don't find a spouse? What if I don't? What if this? What if the diagnosis is wrong? What if I'm not healed? That's the stance that the enemy wants you to carry. And God says, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me enough to stand on my word and my truth 
that even if it doesn't turn out the way that you think it should turn out, that you're still going to dedicate the rest of your life to me. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? That's hard. I want you to write this question down. Do you believe that God can heal you? Do you believe? Psalm 103, 2 through 3 tells us, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Everybody say all. Do you all know what all means? All his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So we know that when Jesus was on this earth, he performed many miracles. We know that. We also know that God still performs miracles today. So why do good people get sick? Why do Christians still get sick? I'm going to tell you why. It's because we live in a fallen world today. And I've got some really good news for you. There will be a day that we don't live in a fallen world. There will be a day, as long as you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and invite him into your life to forgive you of your sins, to make him the king and the Lord of your life, there will be a time that you live with him where there's no more sickness, there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, there's no more sin, but you have to make that decision. So there is a little bit of work that has to be done on our part is we have to make that decision. But as long as we're living on this earth, it is a fallen world, church. I haven't had, we haven't had local television or regular television in our house for a while. We don't watch, we, we do love to watch movies together and stuff, but we just don't just turn on the television. But all you have to do is turn on the TV today if you're questioning, if you're wondering if we live in a fallen world or not. Can I tell you that that is another reason that it is so important that Sunday morning is not something that's just an option if you don't have anything else scheduled to do. We've got to be here. Our kids need to get in God's word. Our kids need that in their hearts because there will be a day that you look up and your son or your daughter is pulling out of the driveway and they're headed off to college and that college is filled with professors. That's not telling them the word of God. So our time that we have, the opportunity that we have right now to instill the truth and a foundation for them is now, not later. Amen? I want you to be here on Sundays. I want this to be a priority. If this is not your church home, if you're just visiting and for whatever reason our music's too loud, our lights are too bright or whatever, do not let this be the last stop. Come see me. I know some amazing pastors right here in this community that are doctrinally pure. They keep the word of God center. They don't get hung up on non-essential beliefs and sit around and argue about stuff that the scripture is not clear about. But I want you to be fully committed, fully devoted followers of Christ. Can I have an amen? 1 Peter 2, 24 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, y'all say this with me, you have been healed. By his wounds, you have been, past tense, you have been 
heels. Actually quoting Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 looks from one side of the cross, and this is coming from the other. So why do Christians get sick if we are all healed? Let me ask you this question. Did Jesus bear our sins on the cross? Okay, y'all got to do better than that. Are y'all with me? Did Jesus bear our sins on the cross? We can all agree with that. So why do you still sin? But he bore our sins on the cross. He bore our sickness on the cross. We all sin, and we've all fallen short of his glory. And the reason is, is because we live in a fallen world today. I'm going to tell you something that you've probably heard me say before. But there will be questions that you have that you will not get answered until you're face-to-face with Jesus. I wish, as your pastor, I could give you all the answers to every question and clarify everything. But if I did that, too, it wouldn't take much faith, would it? By God's grace, through faith, we are healed. This is the last thing, and I'm going to wrap this up. Did you notice another similarity in the man with leprosy and the woman with the blood disease? And this is your last point. They both position themselves to where God could touch them or where they could touch God. So I want to ask you a question. Where are you positioned? Where are you today positioned? Are you positioned in such a way that God can heal you? Are you positioned in such a way that if God heals you that God's going to get all the glory from healing you? You see, the common ground that we see with the man with leprosy as well as the woman with the blood issue was that they both positioned themselves so they could get close to Jesus. So what does that look like for us? It means that some of us may even have to reposition ourselves. You say, well, you know, I'm a Christ follower. I've made a decision to follow the Lord. But what do you mean I need to reposition myself? There may be some things that you need to carve out of your life, your schedule, your routine. There may be some things in your life that you've just, hmm, somehow you've convinced yourself that, Oh, this, doing this doesn't really matter. But at the same time, you're wanting God to touch you and you're wanting God to lead you and you're wanting God to heal you. But you're not willing to position yourself in a place of total surrender. Do you notice what she says at the end of this passage of Scripture? What this says? It says she told the total truth. Everything. She didn't hold anything back. Listen, I know that there are people in the room right now, right now, 
that you have been believing for a miracle. You have been praying for a miracle. You need a miracle. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's with a loved one. Maybe it's in your marriage. I, I don't know. But God knows every one of them. This morning, I, I changed up the order of our service a little bit. And the reason I did that is because I believe that, that God wants to give us an opportunity. And some of you have allowed whatever it is that you're going through to almost become your identity. And I hate to tell you, you're, I'm going to step on some toes. Some of you have embraced that. You've embraced that identity. Because now all of a sudden it gets you attention. Now all of a sudden people are looking at you. Now all of a sudden you're being heard. And you've embraced, embraced the identity of this diagnosis or this pain or this separation or whatever it is. Can I just tell you that that is not your identity. And that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High King. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. But he wants you to do a, what's called a total surrender fully surrender to what it is that he has for you. In just a second, we're going to open up the altar. And I want you to reflect. Just like I asked you these questions today, I want you to do a heart exam today. And I want you to ask yourself, have I allowed what I'm going through to somehow become my identity? Have I embraced this? Is there something that I'm holding on to that maybe I need to surrender to the Lord? And then what I want you to do is, is I want you to position yourself in such a way and release that to God. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to come to the altar fully confident, fully knowing that God is fully in control and capable of healing it right now. And I want you to have a posture of heart that you say, even if you don't, God, I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to trust you because you come from eternity and you see through eternity. And I know that your ways are better than mine. Listen to me. As I look around this room, every seat, every seat is a story. Every seat is a soul. Every seat, there's some pain in. Every seat, there's a past in. Every seat, there's sin in. Y'all are a bunch of filthy, nasty sinners. Wash your hands when you leave. Because the service before you was full of filthy, nasty sinners. I want to be a church that gets this right. And I want to be a church that falls on our face for the Lord. And that puts our arm around the people that are hurting in our workplace, in our communities, in our schools. And says, you know what? I know somebody. That if you'll release control to him he may not heal you but you'll never have to walk through it alone but I'm going to tell you what the coolest part about being the pastor here is I get to see the miracles that he's performing and as I look around this room I see a sanctuary full of them and if you think about it long enough and hard enough you'll remember a miracle that he's already performed. Has God ever performed a miracle in you?
has. And he has for each one of us. This next song that we're going into is called Come Jesus Come. I'm going to ask for Jesus to come meet us right here this morning. And we're going to surround you in prayer. We're going to lay hands on you. So if you don't like being touched, too bad. And we're going to agree in prayer with you. And then I want us to walk through these doors differently than we walked into these doors today. Amen. Please bow your heads. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision for Christ or could use prayer for any area of your life, please let us know. All you have to do is text Greenbrier to 88000 and click on Connect Card. Be sure to join us next week. 